This is a global original podcast. Hello, my name is Gordon Glenister. Welcome to Influence, the global podcast that shines a spotlight on the influencer marketing industry. I'm the co-founder of BCMA Influence, which is a professional membership association that represents the influencer marketing industry. And my objective is to interview some of the most interesting people in the world of influencer marketing. And in the next 30 minutes, get real insights, ideas and tips to help you better understand the fascinating world of influence. So today we're going to be talking to two industry heavyweights from the world of PR and influencer marketing. Francis Ingham is the Director General of the Public Relations and Communications Association and Scott Guthrie is an award-winning blogger and he's also a board member of the BCMA Influencer Steering Group. I often get asked the question where the role of PR sits in relation to influencer marketing. Uh, Let's be honest, marketing and PR have always had this sort of complicated relationship. You know, some traditional marketeers and publicists will say that the differences are very clear, pointing to advertising versus awareness and revenue driving versus brand building. But as the lines between media and advertising have blurred, so too are the lines between marketing and PR. This has been very true for PR and influencer marketing, particularly given the large role that PR agencies play indeed in facilitating collaborations. So the relationship is almost now interlinked. So I wanted to get an idea from our first guest about his perspective on this. Um, so that is Francis Ingham, who heads up the PRCA, which is the world's largest PR professional body. In fact, it's got something like 30,000 practitioners and now operating in 66 countries around the world. So um, PRCA is the largest um, association for PR practitioners in the world and we have members in 66 countries we opened in buenos aires only last month for example um and what we do is we set professional standards we uh, raise professional development um we have a rigorously enforced code of conduct that guarantees the ethical practice of our members and we operate as the the voice of the industry i've been in the role for the last 12 years we've grown in every year of that leadership um 2020 might be the exception to that but i i think we provide a, a very powerful voice for our profession and that's something that i think the profession needs so how did you get into it yourself i guess my first pr role was i was the pr manager uh, voluntary role for the Oxford Union Society. So I used to handle the visits of famous speakers and variously did that and guest liaison with them, which was a, an interesting job to have with some people with enormous egos. You might say, you prepared me for this job. I worked for the Conservative Party as a political campaigner and then public affairs a few years at the CIPR and then the last um, 12 years at the, you know, the PRCA. And mm. I think one of the reasons I enjoy the job is that I understand what PR people do. Um, I happen to like PR people, uh, which I think is very helpful. <laughs> I still keep my hand in at 
selling in stories in the media, doing the interviews and, and writing press releases. Presumably, though, you've seen quite a lot of change in those 12, 12 years. What, what's been yeah. some of the, the, the trends that you've noticed in the, in the industry at large? Well, I, mean, I think the last 12 years have been remarkable in terms of continued growth. I joined the PRC just before the financial crash. And, you know, that was a, a brave move in retrospect. Um, and I remember at that point in time, people talking about what was going to happen to the industry. Would it be in, you know, a spiral of decline? And of course, that didn't happen. So that gives me confidence for the future. In terms of the trends, I'd say the shift in spend away from big budget advertising campaigns and towards more flexible PR campaigns. PR practitioners offering a far wider range of services than they did before. Chief execs investing more in their corporate reputation when they see what happens when corporate reputation goes wrong. Companies and chief execs screw it up. But predominantly, I guess, just the continued rise of digital. I remember when I was at the CIPR, my then boss, who was a great boss, Colin Farrington, said that social media was a blip. And of course, that has proved to be far from the truth. It has redefined our industry and the society and business and economy with which it operates. And it's proved a a powerful driver for, for growth, mm. both in the UK and all around the world. And so what do you think, obviously we're coming out of lockdown. I mean, what, what do you think are some of the lessons that the industry will have learned? Uh, keeping simple messages repeated all the time is, is at the forefront, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, we had very little during the, uh, we had very little during the lockdown period. Uh, then communications, really. And it's proved the enormous power of the, the spoken and the written word, I guess. And um, people uh, who have no interest in politics, uh, whom I know on my team and just socially, uh, have rigorously tuned in to the uh, the daily press conference because they've wanted to to hear what the government has to, to say. You think about the, the Queen's broadcast uh, to the country, the massive mm. number of people who, who tuned in to that. And yeah, the, the simplicity of messaging, those three simple messages that the government decided upon reasonably early in the process, have proved incredibly powerful, listened to, acted upon by people. Uh, one might say acted upon to a far greater extent than the government expected or, um, <laughs> or, or wished um, yeah. <laughs> from some of the uh, political friends I, I speak with. So yeah, it has absolutely proved the value and the centrality of communications yeah and i can't see that going away yeah yeah i mean and how you how do you see that sort of communication style translating into more corporate business do you yeah. think there's going to be a, a new normal for example in the way that we communicate well i think what it's done I mean, if you ignore the government for a moment some companies have had a good crisis so to speak haven't they and some have really not had a good one. So I won't highlight the bad ones because that's unfair. But I think we all know what they are. Airlines asking for bailouts when they previously said bailouts are for, are for wimps, basically. You think of Admiral giving people a discount um, when they really didn't have to on their insurance premiums. Yeah. They've come out of this pretty well. Mm. Some of the companies that are continuing to pay dividends 
and yet they're still asking for public sector support, they haven't done so well. And what I think it speaks to is people expect companies to be about something more than just money. People expect companies and their chief execs to be authentic. And I think the companies that have come through this with authenticity have shown the value of, of being true to your to your brand really mm-hmm, absolutely well that's quite an interesting word because we often associate that we associate that word with um, with the world of influencer marketing uh, yes. th- those that have really done well uh, are those that are authentic and genuine and I, what i've been i've actually been talking to a lot of my sort of influencers this mm. is a time to build audience and build engagement so even even if you know, brand advertising has been somewhat um, reduced. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're connecting with your audience, perhaps at a time and a degree of intensity that you might not have been able to before, which isn't a bad thing. Um, to, to a certain extent, it is a perfect time to communicate with your audience, mm. isn't it? Because uh, well, we all have more time on our hands. We're all desperate to hear messages, ideally positive ones. Uh, but there's also the flip side, of course, that it's very easy to make a mess of it. Harry and Meghan, what world do they inhabit? The introspection, the me, me, me mm. element uh, has been remarkable. And so I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's an ideal opportunity for brands and companies and influencers to uh, make a mark for themselves. It's a question of whether that mark is a, um, a good one or a, uh, a bad mm-hmm. one because it's a defining moment for lots of companies and brands. Well, it's, I, I know we were having a conversation um, before about, uh, you know, we'll, we'll remember the, the people that stood by us during this period, won't we? And we'll remember yeah. those that didn't. And that, of course, yes. goes to the employees as well, I think, as well. You know, the people yeah. that, have, mm-hmm. that have supported the company through difficult times and those that have, uh, quite frankly, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it cuts both ways. During lockdown, there was a piece published by Rubin Sinclair, the recruitment company, and we had helped them do this, uh, put it in front of employees. And it asked a variety of questions about how the employer treated you, uh, what is the impact of this? And there's a really clear impact of you know people who said, they treated me well, it's increased my loyalty, mm. and vice versa. And mm. of course... The same goes for as an employer, looking at the people who have risen to the challenge and the people who haven't. And the the blunt, hard number reality is that there are going to be more people unemployed um, at the end of this uh, year than at the beginning of the year. Um, and the industry is going to be smaller. Um, it's resilient and it will recover, but it is going to be smaller because the economy is going to be smaller. And both employers and employees are going to have to make decisions just as consumers are, frankly. On that note, I mean, how would you, um, how would you define you know, true influence? Uh, it's the power to change people's decisions, I suppose, uh, whether for a... Um, in a good manner or in a negative manner mm. and we're, we're seeing plenty of it plenty of it at the moment and this will i presume this will be when influencer marketing really really takes off because we're all seeing the importance and the uh, the relevance of it right now and how do you see that the, the, the pr world and the influencer marketing world working in in tandem yeah well i would say that my pr colleagues 
they see it in the way that they used to see digital and, and social, if I could put it this way. For years, we said <clears throat> there are plenty of PR companies that know that digital has to be at the heart of everything that they do, but they don't quite understand it. So they're, they're kind of uh, faltering around trying to find their way. And of course, now they have found their way and it's reaped dividends for all of them. Um, I, I think lots of our colleagues in PR still are a little bit uncertain as to how to engage with influencers. And they, you know, we see it when it goes right and we see it when it goes wrong, but it will shine a spotlight on this area, doubtless um, what's happening at the moment. And I, I would say shine a spotlight for the better. Who influences you then? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting question. No one's ever asked me that. So I, I left home at 16 and went to live in a in a hostel in in a city of Manchester, which was a an eye-opening uh, three years, uh, a place full of violence and drugs and um, not the sort of people you want to, to live with. And uh, got into Oxford whilst there um, and then went to a very different uh, atmosphere than the place I'd left and with no financial support from home at all. I think my, my mother, during the three years I was there, gave me 20 quid, and that was the totality of it. I've always been quite self-resilient, I suppose. And I mean, the people who, in my career, influenced me would be close political mates, none of whom are famous to any extent mm. at all. But it's, um, I guess my attitude to life is a bit like Lord Chadlington's, whose motto is never give up. That will be an attitude that will see our industry to a better place than it is in at the moment. So if you were being the questionnaire of yourself, (laughs) what what would you be asking you right now? I I would ask how serious an issue is COVID-19 for the PR industry. And I'd say that speaking with members, the current crisis that we're in is going to see a lot of redundancies and i expect that when we are at its nadir we'll be about 30 percent smaller than we were at the beginning of this and that we will end the year about 15 percent smaller but if there are silver linings it's shown the importance of of communication particularly in times of crisis it's probably accelerated the industry's shift to a virtual and a digital environment and that again plays to its strengths and the companies and the organizations that are resilient will approve that and will prosper going forward this podcast is supported by the branded content marketing association our aim is to promote the value of influencer marketing globally Next, I wanted to get a perspective on the different types of influence. And so who better to ask than industry expert Scott Guthrie? Scott Guthrie is a well-renowned influencer marketing consultant and guest blogger. Is that right? Yes, I am. Yeah, thank you very much, Gordon. Yeah, I, uh, what, am, what am I? I'm a strategic influencer marketing consultant. I'm a kind of a media commentator and... Uh, I've been uh, nominated for the third year running by Velio as a top 10 PR blogger. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that. that's brilliant. That's excellent. And, of course, you also sit on the, uh, the BCMA uh, uh, Influencer Steering Group. And you've been there right at the start, I think. Isn't that right? 
Yeah, yes, uh, a founder member alongside you, Gordon. Uh, yes, the industry you know, very much needs uh, a, a council or a, or a steering committee or whatever, whatever we're calling it. And yes, I mean, it, it's, it's a slow progress, but um, that's because it's kind of a first of a kind. Mm, yeah, no, indeed. And I think we're all, it leads us into what, what do you understand by the word influence? It had so many different connotations. What would you best describe it as? Okay, well, I'll, I'll separate the, the two between influence and influencer. And, and I would say that influence, to have influence, is the ability to affect a change in others. It's to have the ability to form or to change an opinion in other people, to alter uh, behaviours. And, and so that influence is usually context-specific. Uh, context so Jeremy Clarkson, you know, he's, he's renowned throughout the world, Top Gear, and now he's on 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 Amazon Prime. He knows everything about about cars. He knows how to drive them. He knows all, all the different models of them. I wouldn't trust him to mend my car. <laughs> but, but, you know, so it's about domain authority. And, and, and similarly with Jamie uh, Jamie Oliver, I, I you know he, he's written twenty plus cookbooks. He's on been on twenty or thirty um, television programs about how to cook. But you know we saw with the demise of Jamie's Italian restaurant chain that. You know, his domain authority is on cooking and cookbooks and TV and entertainment. It is not in running businesses associated and restaurants associated. So influence is, is sort of domain-specific, context-specific, but it's the ability to change a behaviour or, or alter uh, a person's opinion. Mm. An, influence, uh, an influence, on the other hand, and, and an influence is becoming more and more uh, a pejorative term. Uh, you know, the, the media likes to sort of have a downer on influences. And influencers themselves like to call themselves content creators increasingly. But, uh, but I, I'm going to stick with the umbrella term of an influencer. And, and I think there's a note of caution here. You know, um, an influencer is often used interchangeably with the, the term brand advocate. But influence is neutral. You can have, you know, you can have influencers uh, that, that are good for the brand and influencers that, are, that are, have a negative impact. Mm. Influencers are, are change agents. They may hurt as much as they may help a communication, other communicators' cause, rather. Uh, and advocates are supporters; they're people, often customers, who talk favourably about a product. They don't necessarily hold power; they don't have power to influence. But I think it's important to remember, influencers can have they're, they're change agents. They, that, that doesn't necessarily mean they're advocates. Advocates are supporters, that doesn't necessarily mean they have influence. Mm. So something like Greta Thunberg, for example, is has been and still is hugely influential, um, but not necessarily something that you would associate with an influencer marketing campaign. No, and again, so an in this context, or an influencer or a social media influencer is kind of someone that's kind of born and, uh, you know, and lives... Their influence lives on social media. It lives on in Instagram or, or mm. on YouTube or on TikTok increasingly. So Greta might, might well have, and I haven't checked the stats, might have a, a colossal following on Instagram, but she's not really known for her Instagram presence. She's known for taking, uh, taking political leaders to task and, uh, and trying to affect a change. So she's influential for sure, uh, affect a, a a change in, in climate change. Mm. I mean, I was just doing some uh, research recently about 
COVID. Um, and uh, for example, one of the most influential people is uh, that's been searched online is the Director General of the uh, World Health Organization, as you probably would would imagine, yeah. Yeah. Um, because of the the, the the time and now and the place that we we're all in. Um, so, what do you think uh, are, are some of the platforms that these that various influencers tend to use? Well, again, I mean, we've we've always had a, you know, we've always had influencers. We've all, you know, we've always been influenced by people. So, hundreds of years ago, it was, it, you know, it was the, the the nobility and it was the church. Um, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was, or a hundred years ago plus, it was journalists and government officials. Uh, latterly, it was it was analysts. Uh, we've always had you know, these third parties that that wave or, or garner influence. And the platforms that they use are the platforms where the audiences are. So, you know, if you're trying to reach sort of gray, a greying population, hmm. it might well be free-to-air terrestrial television. If you're trying to tap into Gen Z and millennials, they, they don't watch the telly. You'll find them on, on Instagram, you'll find them on TikTok, you'll find them on YouTube. Um, so it depends, you know, what platform you use, it depends on what audience you're trying to engage with. So, you know, Instagram is very image uh, dominant. It's picture-led. Twitter is very immediate. You know, it's mm. short-form blogging, isn't it? You can get out a message very, very quickly. Um, you can ask a question. You can tag it, you know, journal request. Uh, and you'll be, be sure to get, you know, uh, you know, 101 offers of PRs and, and uh, brands trying to offer uh, assistance or get, get a, you know, a, a quote into a journalist piece. Uh, and, and likewise, when there is a message to throw out, journalists are used to writing in the written word. They're used to be able to throw out bits of content, and, and, uh, and Twitter really suits that format. Instagram is very visual, and so it's no massive surprise that the, the top three verticals of the sponsored content are, are fashion and, and beauty and pictures of, of, of food and drink. And how do you think uh, influencers changed over the years? Well, I think, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's probably a bit tasteless to, uh, to find a positive in, uh, in the coronavirus. But I think, you know, this pandemic has given an opportunity for our industry to recalibrate. I think that, that sometime uh, in, in the not-too-distant past, we got a bit uh, lost and we started to celebrate the popularity. We started to sort of celebrate, you know, big follower numbers, and we created content that was likely to garner a lot of likes and a lot of engagement. Now we're kind of returning back to the subject matter expertise and the quality of storytelling. This is the theme that hopefully will, will come back. It's, it's kind of purpose-led content that really helps a, a distinct community. And, yeah, and, a, and an influencer, you know, I think is a, a community curator or a community uh, guardian. They, they listen very carefully to what their audience likes and what it doesn't like. Doesn't like they they, they look very carefully at the, the data behind how a how a post has performed. They 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 look at the, the sentiment of the comments being produced, and then they obviously produce more of the content that that audience likes, and they, and remove the sort of content that you know in going going forward that their, their audience doesn't like. So hopefully we'll get a move away from sort of this clickbaity and uh, first posting where, you know, where influencers 
create content just just for, to, for likes and for and for comments, and they'll create more thoughtful, more rounded content. Mm. I mean, do you see this as a move towards the more professional influencer in terms of the trends that we're getting? Do you see the uh, the growth coming in the people that are doing, you know, suggesting some of the things that you were saying is? Uh, looking at the analytics behind their post, uh, looking at the timing of when they post, um, and they're really understanding their audience better than ever. Well, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. And if you think about or you, you look at the influencers in, in the last six weeks that have really uh, caught the, the imagination of the mainstream media and the consumer, they're the ones that have put the community at the heart of what, mm. what they do. So you, you have, you know, you have... Uh, Joe Wicks, who has kind of been a, an overnight success that's been four or five years in the making, you know, he, he has he's gone ballistic. He's kind of part of the UK uh, primary school curriculum now. Yeah. But, but, he, but he's been creating that sort of content day after day after day after day, religiously on, on Instagram uh, and now on, on YouTube. So it's not a new phenomenon, but he, you know, he has reacted to the need of the nation, if you like, and he's creating more, more content. But he's not alone. You know, you have uh, Dr. Ranj Singh, who um, he was on Strictly Come Dancing. He was a, he was, uh, a CBBC children's doctor, uh, but he's still a practicing doctor at St. George's in, over in Tooting. He has a, a, a colossal following on Instagram, and he is able to sort of translate NHS speak and government speak and turn that into a language that his his followers understand mm. and so you know so again it's community first but yes you're, you're absolutely right you know as as the industry matures there, there's kind of increasingly two bands of of influencers those that are sort of amateur and those that are trying to professionalize and the ones that are trying to professionalize are those that are trying to put you know that, that, that are increasingly looking to influence the marketing as their main form of income. And so, of course, it's, be- it's beholden upon them to to make themselves look in the best possible light to prospective, to, to prospective brands. And how do you do that? You put together a, a, a decent media kit, you use real-time statistics and data within that media kit, and you can demonstrate, you know, you don't just say you're good, you demonstrate you're good mm. by, by past endeavours. I mean, I've, I've heard the word pivot quite a lot during this uh, process, as yeah. I'm sure you have. Um, I mean, yeah. Pivot and unprecedented. They're the two words that have, <laughs> have come out time and time again, yeah. But it's also a period of uh, what I call brand trial for people to, that haven't considered influencer marketing to perhaps trial something, even in a small way, because although it's the, one of the fastest growing advertising media, uh, there are still a lot of brands that don't use influencer marketing, but perhaps... Uh, through the COVID um, situation that we're now in, they'll be more likely to in, to invest in it. Do, so, do you think this is quite a good time for people to trial out content and experience, and even do some pro bono stuff? Yes, I think so. Uh, and uh, you know, absolutely, our industry is, is is increasing almost exponentially year on year. I, I wrote an article yesterday featuring uh, the work, and hopefully, I'll get her name right, but Asma El Badawi. Uh, who is uh, a British Sudanese woman, uh, an athlete, an advocate, a, 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 a spoken word poet. And I, I mention this because she put together, with, with, with her talent manager at, at the fifth, uh, they put together um, a two-minute video with, of her spoken words, uh, poetry, 
with some amazing um, cities, London cityscape footage intercut with some drone work of her uh, in isolation, just practicing basketball um, as part of her permitted exercise regime. And all, all of the production costs were about 250 quid. And it was, you know, it wouldn't have been out of place as a Nike ad on television or at the cinema. Mm. And, you know, and the drone was, was brought up Curry's PC World. The, the cityscape uh, pictures, the footage were taken of, of empty streets, were taken by a photographer on, on his bicycle uh, as, he, as he was going around as part of his permitted exercise. Her next door neighbour took some of the footage as well. Uh, and it was put together in a matter of days. Obviously, you know, nobody could, could meet in an editing suite, so the files were transferred digitally between different, different parties. And so, so what have you got here? You've got fleet of foot, you've got relatability, you've got uh, low, low, low production costs, and you've got, you've got speed of turnaround. If I wanted to produce a television ad, well, where, I, I wouldn't know where to start, yeah. you know. You can't go out and film on location. You can't get it into the editing suite. You can't get you know access to sort of front of, front and back uh, behind camera talent. I mean, what, what are you go, what are you going to do? So I think it's not quite answering your your question, Gordon. But I think now is a great opportunity because because of all those things I've mentioned, and also it's an opportunity to test and learn what works and what doesn't work. Mm. But, it, but it has to be well thought through. It has to be part of a strategy rather than, rather than let's have a little play at this. You have to, it has to be part of a, uh, you know, if you are testing, test and learning, you know, what are you, you know, what are the takeaways? What are you measuring? How will you improve that next time? Mm. But it's another reason actually for people to work with professional influencer marketing platforms, agencies and specialists that can actually guide, guide people through this process, isn't it? I think that I think that's true. Absolutely, you need you need to uh, to sign up with the good guys, but also you need to know who those good guys are, and you need to sort of invest in a, in a little bit of learning yourself of knowing what questions to ask of these platforms, mm. to ask these agencies. If you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. Yeah. And you know, you, you know, ours is a, is a young industry, and it's enjoying many many great spurts, but it's also you know enduring some some growing pains as well. There are lots of great guys, you know, and, and we, we sit on the, the, the influencer steering group with the good guys, but there are also some bad actors as well. So, you know, brands have to make sure that they are at least knowledgeable enough to know what questions to ask. And uh, But yes, if you tap into the right guys, they, you know, the right agencies, the right platforms, they'll be able to steer you on, on a journey of, of what to ask and what mm. to expect from an influencer marketing strategy. And to, to talk again about... Yeah, this short film that uh, I wrote about with uh, Asma El Badawi, she, um, you know, she is a poet for sure. She's a basketball player. She's an activist. She's a playwright. It's incredible. But she's, but she's also, you know, she she also makes films, and and it's not just you know just picking up a, a smartphone and uh, testing and learning it. She also has the the uh, experience backed up with academic rigor. So she has, you know, uh, she has a, a, a BA on in photography and in video and digital imaging, and in masters, a, a masters in visual uh, art. So you know, sort of a collapse, a cost collapse in, in technology, has enabled us all to be able to, you know, have access to, to smartphones and access to, to drones from Curry's PC World, you know, or whatever. 
but we also need to be able to have a little bit of guidance and a bit of you know academic sort of rigor to be able to get the best out of these tools as well. I'm just quite keen to hear from you about some of the tips that you might want to give uh, an up-and-coming influencer that's got a, a modest audience but wants to grow it quite substantially. What are the sort of uh, takeaway tips that you'd like to give to them? Um, I guess know your audience. You know, know what your audience likes and what your audience doesn't like. That means knowing the data behind your profile. That means knowing where your, your audience lives are they you know if you're in the uk is your is most of your audience in the uk you know what what you know what what is the gender what are the age groups those those sorts of things have a clear point of view um i don't think you know i think the time of sort of trying to super please everybody by sort of being really bland Mm. are over and now now is the time to have a, a clear point of view have a clear look it's not about aping the kardashians it's about having your own identity your own values your own point of view um and i think when you work with brands only work with the brands that you care about you know when you're just starting off and a brand uh, approaches you and, and is willing to pay for your for your content then you know it's very easy to be become seduced by that and, and just quickly snap that opportunity up but is that the right you know is that brand the right partnership with uh, for, for you uh, and is it the right partnership for your audience as well so you know, it's, you know, do you do you believe in that product that you're selling? Mm. Will your audience, you know, will your audience call you uh, a sellout if you uh, if you work with that brand? I would also say, you know, know the disclosure, know, know the disclosure rules and the regulations in your jurisdiction. Mm, of course. So you know, as we know, in the UK it's the ASA and the CMA. In the US, it's the FTC. Know where where what the rules are. Know who the governing bodies are in your jurisdiction. In your jurisdiction, and I, and just follow lots of similar influencers and f- similar content creators, and see you know how the uh, how the industry is evolving, and see how you can help professionalise that industry as well, help the industry grow with you. So that's it for another edition of Influence. Please don't forget to subscribe and let us have your feedback. And any questions that you've got, just drop me a line uh, of feedback at influencepodcast.net or you can go on to the BCMA website, which is www.thebcma.info. And you can also send me a message on my Instagram, which is Gordon Glenister. Uh, and if you feel like it, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review because that it would be awesome and it really helps us. Thanks to my producer, Neil Whiteside of Freedom One. So from me, Gordon Glenister, it's bye for now.